The Saga of the European King. Chapter 1. It is winter. It was a perfect day. Just like every other day in medieval Europe. The King of Europe, who was this cool guy who everybody loved, was fresh out of bed and standing on the balcony of his rad bedroom. He was wearing his most powerful dressing gown and eating a rare and expensive breakfast cereal that was sending his stats through the goddamn roof. He looked out with his eyes over his kingdom and he saw that it was beautiful and neatly arranged. And then, with the pair of eyes that lived inside the most powerful of his hearts, he looked again and he saw that all was at peace and that the people were happy. The day was perfect, the kingdom was perfect, and the king knew that something really ought to be done with a day like that. He called his sexiest page. Page! Yes, your badgalness. Who is the wisest man in the kingdom? Colonel Glowfist, sir. Colonel Glowfist? The Archmage? Yes, sir. He is my best friend in the whole world, and my constant companion. I know, sire. Bring him to me! Bring me my best friend! The king's sexiest page found Colonel Glowfist in his treehouse at the bottom of the garden. It was only 10am, and Colonel Glowfist already had girls over. Oh gosh, girls? Yeah, but don't make a big deal out of it or you'll scare them off. Okay, well... <coughs> his badicalness, the king, seeks an audience with you in his rad bedroom. Ugh, if I don't get there immediately, I shan't be his best friend anymore. Girls, you're dismissed. Out of my way, page boy. Colonel Glowfist climbed down the rope ladder, ran through the garden, smashed down the back door to the Castile Van Laken, and was in the king's rad bedroom in no time at all. He used magic to do all of this because... why the hell not? Colonel Glowfist, my best friend, yeah. and my closest advisor. Yes. We have known each other since we were babies. Yes, we have. We go on adventures and wars all of the time. We do. We would have been dead a million times over if not for your magic spells. And your enormous brain. I do my humble duty by you, Glowfist! Your... What shall we do with this perfect day that we see before us? What should we do today? That's what you're asking. Okay, well... Oh, you're using your enormous brain right now, aren't you? I'm considering our options. Oh, yes, you are! I knew it! You and that huge, meaty brain of yours! Oh. Why, it's almost as big as yours. That's right! But my brain is more wired up for an emotional intelligence. We would overlook emotional intelligence at our pearl. Now, as for today, isn't today your son's birthday? Prince Prince? That's what you named him, yes. My precious and only heir! Yes! A birthday for my boy! How old is he now, like eight? Six today, I believe. We shall have... The sixth birthday party to end all sixth birthday parties. We shall have it atop the frozen lake in the garden. Outside, it's a bit cold out. How about one of the greenhouses? You're not thinking emotionally, Glowfist! The king had spoken. 
He summoned the palace staff and the baron of birthday parties, and he told them what was required. A bouncing castle as big as a real castle, purple juice, plastic cups and paper plates stamped with colourful images of the king and his adventure friends on a war, a jelly gun, two executions, a zipline slide, and at least three hot dogs per person. Also a tablecloth that was easy to wipe clean. Then the king released his chief of lawyers from his cage and told him that it had to be made illegal for anybody not to attend. Everybody did what they were told, and soon the prince was found and delivered to his sixth birthday party to end all sixth birthday parties. It's cold outside, Papa. But all of your friends are here with hot dogs. Those are your friends. They are the best friends that anyone could have. No, Papa. My son, it is against the law for anyone not to come to your birthday party. I can't make an exception for you. We have to obey the laws of Europe too. Perhaps more than anybody else has to. Do you understand? No, Papa. Now let's get on the bouncy castle! Yay! As the king led the young prince outside, a weird and crazy thing happened. Snow fell from the sky, a chill wind blew through the gardens, and Prince Prince began to cry right there in front of everybody. The prince's crying got the king going, and then his crying bar grew and grew, and so mighty were his sobs that the frozen waters of the lake cracked, and the sixth birthday party, bouncy castle, purple juice and all, sank below the surface. The king's tears ran in a stream to his feet, and then the stream filled the lake, and it never froze again. He held his son to his chest. They both wept until nightfall. Nobody was allowed to go home until he said so. It was midnight when the king could summon the strength to but lift his gentle head or wipe his astonishing nose. He had defeated so many enemies of Europe, had met every challenge and obstacle, but it seemed that even the king could be bossed around by winter. The moon shone out of his eyes, and everybody was afraid to look at him. He dismissed them with a word and melted into the darkness. He was not seen again for three days, and his rad bedroom was closed to all. The people of Europe grew fearful and restless. Perhaps this was the end of their perfect kingdom. Perhaps it had all been too good to be true. Perhaps the Vikings would return, or the Irish, or Terethor, or any of the malign forces that the king had protected them from. At dawn on the third day, the king called a meeting of the big important council of Europe. Dukes, baronesses, governors, lords and ladies, archbishops, high warlocks and witch elders, adventure teams and warriors of the highest levels, all kinds of dudes and dudettes, were then summoned to court in Brussels. They arrived as quickly as they could, barely fitting inside the grand hall at the Castile van Laken. Among them was Axe Axewound, the axe battler, the king's best friend, and Sally Minefield, the thief, who was both his best friend and the royal minister of shipping. They took their places in the grand hall and sipped from plastic cups, bearing the colourful images of the king and themselves going on a war. I'm worried about the king, Axe. There's no need to worry about him, Sally. 
No harm can come of the king, for my family is bound by blood oath to kill him for what he did to our homeland. Until the day I decide to do my duty and kill him, he is safe. You never know the right thing to say. I'm not a mind reader, Sally. I just say what I feel. What you need is more emotional intelligence, like the king. No, what I need is something to drink that isn't ice water. The sons of the Axe-Wound clan are invincible in battle, but even we feel the cold when it's inside our tummies. The Grand Hall is usually so warm and welcoming. I don't think the pinball machine is even working. Aye, dark days. And the waitress won't catch my eye and bring me some ribs. Where is the king? What is this? I've a mind to break down those doors, end him and be through with it all. Axe, no! Just in the nick of time, the king broke through those doors himself. And he sprinted into the hall and jumped up on the tables. He was followed by a legion of kitchen slaves and waitresses who lit the torches and fires, brought hot tea before everybody took their orders for dinner, and presented sizzling pig meals as hors d'oeuvres. Is everybody warm and toasty? Yes! Does everybody feel that winter is gone and hope can return? Sure! Then that's what we're going to do! What? What are we going to do? We're going to kill winter! So gasped everybody. And that's the end of chapter one.